The Tom Sumner Program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky team. <laughs> Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry. What's his name? Uh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. This is Mayor Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Show. And welcome back, everybody, as we roll into the third half of our three-hour tour known as the Tom Sumner Program. And we started out this morning talking about uh, a thriller novel, and we're going to end up today talking about a thriller novel. This one, a Kendall Beck thriller, or, or Kendall Beck thriller. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. The book is called The Wrong Woman. It's written by Leanne, Leanne Kale Sparks, who joins me by phone. Hi, Leanne. Welcome to the show. Hi, Tom. Thanks for having me. Now, I didn't mention in the introduction um, that you uh, started out as a lawyer and then, uh, and then just... Um, quit that and went and joined the circus no i no you started your writing (laughs) career i did i did i went to law school and um happened to be married to a guy in the navy who just kept moving around so much that i couldn't keep up with the bar exams never stayed in one place long enough to actually not have to take it to in a new place so i i went back to my first love which was writing and i haven't looked back since well, that's that's amazing. You know, it's funny. I've talked to a number of lawyers who um, either stopped practicing or just started minimizing their practice because they preferred to write. One one of the people I talked to was, uh, and I don't know if you're familiar with uh, David Baldacci, but um, uh-huh. he started out as an attorney, and um, and I asked him. I said, well. Which do you like better, being an attorney or writing? <laughs> and and he laughed out loud and he said, "Writing by far." Um, I bet he does. <laughs> in in any event, um, is now I couldn't I couldn't tell from from my notes if this is uh, the first Kendall Beck thriller. It is. It's the first in the series, um, and there will be a book two coming out. We ha- we don't have a release date for that yet, but this is the first in the series. And you know that it's going to be a series. Uh, did you start out knowing that you were writing a series, or did you get to the end of uh, the book, The Wrong Woman, and think, but wait, there's more? Well... <laughs> kind of a little bit of both um i wrote it and it ended up being a really short story it was my first time really kind of writing a a mystery thriller and i was trying to you know make sure i had you know red herrings and everything was matching up and so it ended up being pretty short um and then once i decided i I really did want to publish it and i got some good feedback from author friends that yes this was indeed something that was 
was good. I, I expanded on the story, and then at that time, I was like, well, wait a minute, but then what would happen if can if this happened, and what would happen if that happened? And so then I did kind of get really generalized plots for each book, and, uh, you know, here, we're crossing fingers that, that the first book, first two books do well, and the rest of the series gets picked up. And, and um, when you say the rest of the series, do you have some expectation of how many books will be in the series i mean it sounds like it's going to be more than a trilogy but uh do you prefer to I leave do. it I open-ended have, uh well yeah it's always i think series are always kind of open-ended um, unless you know you you have an actual drop dead like this is like a trilogy there you know that's going to end after three books but i think a series you kind of leave open i do have six books total kind of loosely plotted, um, you know, and if, if, the, if the characters are, are popular and people like the series, then that could definitely go on past that. But I, I thought, I think six is kind of a, a nice book. I'd like to, you know, you don't want to get too much, too trapped into these two characters. Um, you know, you like to write other things too. Is there an overarching um, storyline that, that runs through all six of these books as uh as planned or imagined? Yeah, there is. Um, I was lucky enough to meet um, a, a guy that was fairly high up in the FBI and had retired, and he got me in touch with, um, at the time, it was the um, Crimes Against Children division of the FBI, and so I got to go out and see kind of what they do and meet with um, some agents to see what, what they're they're doing on a day-to-day basis and how they're helping with you know, uh, sex trafficking of children and, and prostitution and things like that. And I really got int- intrigued by that. Um, and so Kendall Beck is an FBI agent who is in that um, division. And so while there are other murders and, and things that are happening, um, there's usually also that that storyline under underlying all of them, that there's things going on. Um, and she and usually they they all tie in together. Sometimes they don't. But yeah, there's always an underlying um, storyline of she's going after the bad guys um, to take down uh, traffickers and things like that. And it takes place uh, in Colorado. Is is that important to the stories? It's important to me. Um, I grew up in Colorado, <laughs> so uh, it, it, I, I actually was born in Colorado Springs, and this takes place in Denver, so not quite uh, my hometown, but it, it is important to me. And, of course, I, I think that you really can't go wrong because you, you have, if you can write it properly, the setting can also feel like a character, especially in Colorado where, you know, the weather can change and, and you've got the beautiful backdrop of the Rocky Mountains. You really can't go wrong. Well, I visited Colorado Springs once and had an just an amazing time. And uh, I, I I was traveling with a band at the time, and we played at the Air Force Base there. Oh, okay. At, that, at, well, there's there's a few of those. They're kind of the military surrounds all of Colorado Springs. Well, we, so. we were we were at, <laughs> we were at Peterson. At Peterson on the south side, yeah. In the yep. officers, I really uh, enjoyed love. Mass. Yeah, I enjoyed growing up there. It was it was really a great place to to grow up, and you know you're just always 
not far from the mountains and it's a great it was a great time now with this um this book are are they um because it's a series do you is it best to read them in sequence as they come out or will they all be standalone books within this overarching uh, theme? Uh, I think, I mean, I, I always think that it's probably best to read them in sequence um, just because you have uh, the relationships are also growing as the, the series goes along. But I think they're, they could be standalones if you picked up like, you know, the third book, you wouldn't be completely lost with, you know, things that had happened in book one and book two. I think it could be a standalone. But again, you're going to understand the relationships and who people are, um, especially the the two main characters, uh, Kendall Beck and then the Denver homicide detective, um, Adam Taylor, are going to be throughout the series. So, you, you see they meet in the in book one and then you know of course their relationship get grows and and, and things throughout the series so uh, but I don't think it would be difficult to to catch up and know what's going on if you picked up a, a book in the series now you mentioned that this was that you were tackling a uh, a, a, a murder uh, thriller or or a mystery story. Um, that that was new to you. Writing was not new to you, but doing, you know, whodunits was was new to you. Right. Yeah. I've, I mean, I've dabbled in in some writing along the way. Um, I wrote under a pen name for a few years to kind of learn the business, um, and I did it in romance. So. Um, I, I kind of left that behind a little bit. I learned what I needed to learn, but this is my first traditionally published book um, with Crooked Lane Publishers. Um, so it, it's and and there's a a lot more that goes into not not to say that romance isn't you know a great genre, and they do have you know mysteries and suspense and things within that genre. But to focus solely on the um the murder and the the clues and having the red herrings and and things like that and not have to worry about bringing in a a romance storyline um it was it it's difficult it's your your focus is completely different um when you're writing a thriller that's just a thriller just a murder mystery or you know a crime thriller um so it it was one of those things where i i i changed the way that i i would tackle it every single book. It feels like I'm, I'm kind of changing the way I, I go about it, but I started out with sticky notes on a wall and they were moving all <laughs> over the place. And, <laughs> and, and then I got a big whiteboard wall that was just all whiteboard and, and that, that became, you know, moving stuff around that way. So it's been, it, but it's been, a, it's been fun. I really do. I, I like the challenge a lot. You know, you said a couple of times you, you sort of hinted that there's a formula for writing a thriller. Um, how how much is there a standard formula for writing um, a, a novel that's that's expected to be, you know, a, a whodunit, if you will? Um, and, and how much freedom is there for you to develop your own formula? 
I think there's a lot of freedom to develop your own formula um, because writers, we write in, there's no right, correct way to write a book. Um, And thrillers are are no different. Um, I mean, I have a lot of friends who are kind of a fly by the seat of their pants writer where, um, you know, the story just comes to them and they don't know the ending before they, you know, before they write it. And it can change many times throughout the, the, um, the process of writing the story. I am not like that. I can't do that. I, I am an uber plotter. And it's funny that you um, bring up David Baldacci because I think he is an uber plotter as well, where much of our time writing the story isn't actually writing the story. It's going through the outline and making sure that we know what's coming up and where things are fitting in and that we know how things are happening. So that's kind of how I write. Um, So I don't think that there's really a formula. I mean, there's basic things you have to have. And, you know, you have to have a murder. You have to have suspects. You have to have twists because thriller writers or thriller readers love the more twisty it is and the more, you know, rabbit holes that they're going down and the more people that they can say, oh, no, it's that person or, oh, no, it's that person, then, you know, the the better. That's And so they that can be not so much formulaic but but expected in in a thriller and in a mystery i always i i always had laugh out loud if it turns out that the butler actually did it <laughs> <laughs> yep i know but you got to and that is a challenge i think that's like the biggest challenge where you have somebody that you know it's like oh that is that'd be so cliche of that person or the you know it's a, the husband or it's the butler and but the real trick is making that person not look like the the person who did it and then all of a sudden at the end you're like oh wait a minute and then you go back through and you see all the little clues the little little you know nuggets along the way and i got to tell you with the veracity of of the readers of thriller books and mysteries you really have to um be really good at at covering your tracks along the way because they read so much and they pick up on all the little clues that us writers think we're just brilliant and and coming up with. And then they're like, Oh yeah, I figured that out by like chapter three, who it was. And you're like, but wait, (laughs) I thought I covered that up really well. Or or the worst, or the worst thing is when the, the person who did it is introduced in the last chapter. Oh, you don't do that. Do I know, right? You long day <laughs> by the reviewers. <laughs> yeah, you don't ever want to. Or you, it's somebody that was so minor that they barely show up, and then all of a sudden at the end there's just this, oh, and they go on this great big monologue of how it's them, and you're like, well, there was nothing in the book about that. That's not fair. <laughs> See, when I watch. Yeah, you'll lose readers. <laughs> when I watch murder mystery television shows, I can always tell who did it by who they cast <laughs> in, in the various roles. Yeah, I, hey, I've got to take I've got to take a short break here, Leanne, and I want to talk a little bit more about the creative process and your books in general. Can you stick around for a few minutes? I can. Thank you. Great. My guest is uh, Leanne Sparks. She is the author of The Wrong Woman, um, the first in a series of uh, Kendall Beck thrillers. And uh, we're going to let our broadcast partners squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming, we have some messages as well. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms, and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe By from the Blue Lions. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Ananick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom. This is my favorite interview always. You, you, <laughs> it's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. Hello. Speaking. Oh, dear. Honey, our car warranty is expiring again. So soon? It just expired last week. You don't even own a car! Not now, Dana. Your father's on the phone. Hey! Mom and Dad, you're being scammed! It's a robocall! Scammers are using new technology and clever tactics to make more and more calls that look legitimate, but are hard to trace. They can make it look like they're calling from any number, even from numbers of people you know. My robocall crackdown team is working with state and federal partners to stop the robocalls for good, but I need your guys' help. Don't trust your caller ID. Verify you're really talking to the person whose number appears when your phone rings. If you accidentally answer a robocall, hang up right away. Engaging in conversation will only lead to more calls. Use a call blocking app on your cell phone that stops robocalls before they interrupt your day. And if you do get a robocall, File a complaint with my office online at mi.gov slash robocalls. And mom, dad, please do not give your information out to these scammers over the phone. They're just trying to trick you. Well, at least they call. No, I get it. You're busy. But you know Janine's daughter is a doctor. She calls every week. A doctor. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. 
Hello, this is State Senator Jim Ananick, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. We continue our conversation about a uh, new thriller, a new uh, mystery novel, a Kendall Beck thriller from uh, called The Wrong Woman from author Leanne Kale Sparks, who joins me by phone. Leanne, um, welcome back, and thanks for sticking around. Sorry to make you sit through all that. No, that was funny. I really liked the uh, the last commercial with the <laughs> with the warranty, the car warranty. Oh, he, <laughs> you know, <laughs> with uh, with Michigan's Attorney General uh, Dana Nessel, and that's actually mm-hmm. Dana Nessel, the Michigan Attorney General, that that did that. That's skit. great. Um, she's done a few of those, and and they are fun. Um, but let's let's get back to talking about uh, the process of writing. Uh, mystery novels um we can't have the butler do it we can't introduce the character <laughs> in the last chapter i'm just catching people up from the <laughs> the last segment <laughs> um but but let's let's talk about this a little bit because um how much research do you have to do in the process of of fleshing out one of these novels I actually do a great deal of um, research in various different ways. Uh, there's there's research that you do, like if uh, how somebody would die, and and or, you know if if something were to happen. Or, or um, in this book, there's um, a method of killing the victim that I really had to do a lot of research on. I'm not going to get too much into that because um, it's still morning, but. <laughs> people might be eating their breakfast. So, but I did do a lot of um, research into that. Um, and a lot of my research, though, has come in the form of um, talking to law enforcement, becoming familiar with their procedures, um, talking with the FBI and becoming familiar with their procedures, understanding that um, what you see perhaps in the movies and on TV shows isn't quite correct, but then you're always struggling with that um, you don't want to be too exact. Um, I, you, you know, the, I interviewed, the I interviewed a, an FBI profiler from Quantico once, mm-hmm. and I was so disappointed to find out they don't have their own plane. <laughs> I know. I mean, you, you think that they're jetting all over the place. They should at least have that. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, they, they get basically... They get zoomed a case from somewhere across the country, and the next thing they say is wheels up in thirty minutes. You know, yeah, like wow, we got our own plane. We just bug out and go do you know go solve crimes. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> and and who was the uh, the mystery writer? Um, oh, Mary Higgins Clark. Uh huh. And she was on the show several times before she passed away. And she was always talking about how she was really kind of a Luddite when it came to technology. And I said, well, yeah, but some of your recent books have a lot of technology in them. I said, how do you, how do, you do that? She says, I got a guy. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And yep. I thought that was so I, funny. I, and, it, and it speaks to how you kind of know where you want to go, but you're not really sure about 
the the subject you've wait, you know waded uh, into, um, whether yeah. it's technology or some crime procedure, uh, some legal procedure, and and so you do have to dig in a little bit and and get some additional information if you want it to sound realistic. Right. I have a lot of times where I just send a quick text or a, um, or a message on Facebook to my contacts um, in law enforcement and go, okay, so here's what I want to do. This is get, The character's going to do this and this and this. Is that, is, can they do that? And, or is that feasible? Or, <laughs> and, you know, they'll either write back with, um, well, there's, there's a couple of different responses. They'll either write back with yes or no, you can't do that. You have to do it this way or that's not the way, you know, a bullet travels or whatever it is. Or, um, yeah, you're just going to have to make that up because I can't tell you. <laughs> so there are things that they won't tell me <laughs> that I'm like, but come on. And, and so we have a little code. But, yeah, there, there's a lot of times that you just want to you want to be authentic, but you also have to understand that um, I, I kind of liken it to um, courtroom drama. I mean, when you watch it and you read it, it sounds really great, you know, but there's never a Perry Mason moment. It's usually very. <laughs> I was just thinking through well, a trial. <laughs> as soon as you brought up courtroom, I started thinking of the Perry Mason moment. <laughs> you know, somebody yep. in the gallery yep. steps up and says, "Of course, your client is innocent because I'm the person who killed him." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's fun if you can get get somebody to trip up a little bit. But uh, it's really rare that they anybody breaks down on the on the stand and admits to it. So, but then again, I mean, and, and especially nowadays with with DNA and things like that, it's very courtroom drama is is quite technical, and so it can it can be boring. So you kind of want to make sure that as you're writing a book, that you know if it's crime procedural. Um, or police procedural and, and, and about murder and crime investigation, that you're, you're, you're as authentic as you can be without losing the reader along the way. You still want to have an interesting story to tell, so you got to kind of weigh what would really happen against what, you know, is going to be exciting for the reader to read. My, uh, my significant other is a, a paramedic, and whenever we're watching... Mm -hmm. uh, crime shows or any any place that might show an ambulance showing up to a scene somewhere <laughs> she's they wouldn't do that <laughs> you know yeah. that's not how you do that and you know well that's funny um when i was in law school um we couldn't watch anything that had to do with the law i mean law and order was never on in our house after that because my I would say something, oh that's not it. That you can't do that. That's wrong. And my daughters were like, just can we stop watching this? We've done you can't we know mom, that's not the way it works and, and so yeah, there's certain things that that are not we we don't watch in the house just because I just get too upset about how they're doing it. <laughs> Who are some some writers that are inspirational to you? Um, I love Harlan Coben, um, and I love Karen Slaughter. Uh, well, Karen's both, been on the show. She's she's fabulous. I, she I, is. The way they work with um, relations with their characters' relationships and and um, and and how they Karen especially 
um, I mean, Harlan is just funny. I just love to read his books because his, his books really are, are kind of, they have some funny parts with them uh, because I'm a big fan of sarcasm. So he's, <laughs> he's at the top of my list. But um, Karen really, she was the first one I, I started reading where um, there was, you fell in love with the characters and, and the, of course the, the story is great and the twists and the turns and the, and, and all of that is fabulous. And she's a master at that, but it's really these, these relationships, how they're, they're, they're not perfect people and they're, and they're just like real life people. They're not, you know, the, um, and of course, because I started in romance, you know, the, the perfect physical being, you know, and, and the most handsome man and the most beautiful woman and, and they're, they're not that they had come with their, their baggage. And I think that a lot of um, what I tried to do in the wrong woman was kind of have these um, characters that were relatable um, but, but you still cheered for them, but they, they did have their problems. Kendall Beck can't trust anybody. She doesn't trust love. She, she feels like she fails most people in her life. Um, and, and that would, that's really kind of what drives her, but it also, it's also what holds her back. So, um, I, I kind of, I love that, that, that the characters being able to relate to the characters. When you start putting sticky notes on your on your whiteboard um <laughs> and and laying out your your story or your book um do you develop the the characters first and then come up with a story that would likely happen to them or do you write a story first did you write the story first and then cast it like a movie I think I really, uh, the, the storyline is what comes to me first because it's really a, a matter of, um, and, and a lot of times it's things that happen in real life that like, and it could just be something small, not like something huge, but something small that gets you thinking, well, but what if this happened? And then what if this person came in and then what, what here? And then, so it just kind of, um, snowballs from there and, and, Usually my outlines are pretty sparse when they forget when they first start out. You know, you have this this happens, then this happens, then this happens, and then as you're getting going through, then you start expanding and getting more um, specific about things. Um, and I think that once I know, especially in in the beginning of a series, you, you you're learning the characters as things are happening and then you're like, Oh, okay. So how would she react to this? And, and how would he react? And, and you kind of, as you're going through and creating the story, you're also learning a lot about the characters and where, you know, their faults and their, and things like that. So I really, I think it's mostly the, the story that comes first and then the characters after that. You know, I, I grew up um, as, as a huge fan of, I guess they call them drawing room mysteries now, but but I I just love the old film noir detective stories and whodunits mm -hmm. and Sherlock Holmes and Agatha Christie and all that kind of stuff. And I just had a, a guest on the show here a few weeks ago from here in Michigan who had written a novel about a murder in the home of Agatha Christie. Ooh. And it wasn't Agatha Christie who solved the crime, but rather her chambermaid. Mm. 
Oh, wow. <laughs> and it had kind of a clue element to it. A body was found in the library, you know, during a party mm-hmm. at, at Agatha Christie's house. And it was really funny because the author said, Agatha Christie wrote mysteries. She didn't solve mysteries. <laughs> exactly. So she yep. she turned the whole Agatha Christie thing on its ear. <laughs> and I thought, what a fun idea, you know, to play with yeah, the familiar, but in an unfamiliar way. And and it was yep. uh, it, it was kind of cool. I think it was um, the Malawan Mansion. I think is the name of the book, and and Malawan was the last name of uh, Agatha Christie's husband mm. in real life. Yeah. And, and um, anyway, Neat. anyway, I thought that was just kind of fun. I just I don't know what made me want yeah, to share that. Yeah, that. That, that does sound. Um, that does sound fun. But when you're um, putting your outline on on the board, um, does does writing um to an outline like that having a lot of things decided ahead of time does that keep you from writing yourself into a corner or do you still have I don't that think happen? so <laughs> no because I so you can have a really great outline and as you start writing you realize that you're you're going down a tangent that you're you know you're writing yourself into a corner or, or whatever, um, and and I don't think that I I my I stick to my outlines pretty well, but there's also times that you know you start writing and you realize well that's not going to work, and so you have to kind of change things. You have to um, you have to be very adaptable when you're writing it. it even if you're you know writing specifically to an outline. But I, I also will think of like scenes, how they're, they come out. And so I'll write those out. And then when it gets to that point, then I can insert those in and hopefully they still work with how the, the storyline is going. Um, but yeah, you, you can still, you still have to be pretty fluid and, and, and adapt the story. Um, I haven't had a story yet that's been 100% true to the to the original outline. I'm, I'm always constantly changing things around as I'm writing. <laughs> I remember it wasn't an interview of mine, sadly, but uh, I, I read or heard an interview with Stephen King where mm-hmm. they asked him, um, do you write to a schedule or do you write to a muse? And he said, oh, I always write to the muse. But fortunately, the muse shows up every morning at 9 o'clock. <laughs> He's lucky. <laughs> it, what, is that, what, is that, what is that process like for you? I, I, can you, um, are you very disciplined? Can you, you know, sit down with a keyboard and look at the board and, and just start knocking out pages? Um, it, it really depends, and, and sadly, the closer I get to deadline, the more I'm able to just sit in, in the chair and really write things um, and, and spend long days writing. Um, but typically, <laughs> I, I'm sitting there looking at it going, and, and sadly, I'll get to a point where I get stuck, and I'll sit there, and, and I can't get past it, and I'm not one of these writers that can go on and write the next scene and come back to that. It just doesn't, that does not work for me ever. Um, 
so there there are times when I'm lucky to get 200 words down a day, and then there's days that I can just write from morning to night and and uh, and just really get the story out. You know, I think you're the first writer that told me that that their ability to write accelerates the closer they get to the deadline. That sounds like it <laughs> sounds like panic writing to me. <laughs> <laughs> then a lot of the writers you're interviewing are lying because I think that a lot of writers the the closer they get to uh, to the deadline, the more that they're like, oh, and and the inspiration really comes and. and once it clicks, and once you once the story actually clicks, then you can write it. I, I'm in awe of uh, writers like Stephen King who can just sit down and and you know be so disciplined and be able to write. Um, I I have not done that yet. Uh, well, maybe when I first started writing, before it was even a, I didn't even think I was going to be published. I was just writing to write, and it was fun. Um, then then you move on from that and you get under contract and <laughs> and you have to write <laughs> by a certain time um but doesn't I, that I have more to do doesn't that have more to do with um you know ma- forcing yourself to make decisions you know you you have decisions to make about you know things that you're doing in the story and you get hung hung up and you're sitting on the fence about something and then that deadline starts looming and you just you just start making decisions whatever they are well and i think that that is probably part of my problem with sticking to an outline is that it it sometimes i get so wrapped up into no this is how it has to go that i have to remind myself to step back and say, no, it doesn't have to go that way. You can change it. Nothing is in, you know, there's nothing written in stone. You can go back and you can change it if that's the way that you need it to go. And typically when I'm sitting there and I'm struggling with a scene, it's because I'm not looking at the broader picture and I'm not allowing myself to see any other options. I'm like, oh, because this is how it's supposed to go. So it, it can be I, I may be, you know, a fly by the seat of my pants writer in, in denial and, and just sticking with an outline. <laughs> I don't know. But there are certain times that, that you just have to to force your way through and then once you get past that. And, and of course, there's always the, the old adage of you can't edit a blank page. So it gets to the point <laughs> where if true. I get to that, it's usually my writing. That page is all dialogue without any, like, <laughs> any tags for who's talking or anything any motion or anything it's how i can get through that that sort of um for lack of a better term writer's block kind of you know that that little whatever's blocking me whatever's stalling me and not allowing me to go forward i just write dialogue and then when i come back i can edit that and and add in all the stuff that i need or you know change it completely if if i need to but it's really a matter of forcing your way through that so that you can continue writing and get it done when you're writing a book like this, uh, this this first one, the wrong woman, uh, a Kendall Beck thriller, um, are you? Do you picture the characters and the places and the scenes that unfold? Are you very visual when you're writing, and could you imagine these stories uh, uh, translating to the screen? Absolutely. Um, I'm very visual. In fact, when um, I'm describing like where somebody's living, I will. I'm I'm a big um, 
Realtor.com and Zillow fan because I actually go on and look at houses in the areas that I want. I have a map up on my wall so I can see where they would travel and how they would travel and what's close by and, and things like that. Um, so I will, I'll have those kinds of, of aids for me. I'll, I'll print off pictures of what the characters look like to me. Um, and I'll, I'll just, I'll, I have to be able to see it so that I can describe it. Um, so yeah, I'm very, I'm, I'm quite visual and I'm lucky enough that I have a friend that lives in Denver who uh, I can, I can send her a message and say, Hey, can you run over here and see if you could, you know, put a body here or if, if this could actually happen and she'll go out and uh, take pictures for me and, and give me descriptions <laughs> of the area and things like that. So it's, 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 it's really fun. Um, so yeah, I, I really, I, I'm very visual that way. That's great. I can't believe how fast the time is going, um, Leanne. Again, the book is The Wrong Woman, a novel. It's a uh, Kendall Beck thriller, the first of of many to come from author Leanne Kale Sparks. Leanne, we're almost out of time, but I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about you and your work, past, present, and future. Do you have a website? that you'd like to share? I I do. Um, it's Leanne, L-E-A-N-N-E, Kale, K-A-L-E, Sparks, S-P-A-R-K-S, dot com. And on there you can learn about me. You can see how to get in contact with me. And you can go to the book tab and find the wrong woman, and it'll have all the links there to for purchase or whatever you want to know about it. The... Um Oh shoot! I lost lost my train of thought. I had one final thought I wanted to that I wanted to <laughs> ask you, and and it just floated away. Um, say I should use an outline. Um, <laughs> <laughs> At least a sticky note. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. Anyway, Leanne, it's been a real pleasure talking with you, and um, I guess. Uh, Keep up the good work. Good luck with the book. Oh, I know. I, I remembered what it was. For a lot of writers, it's a very solitary thing. Do you like the, the feedback doing interviews like this and, you know, potentially doing book signings and readings and so on? Oh, I do. I love it. This is um, this has been a lot of fun, and, and I, I like being able to talk, of course, about my book um, and writing, which is my, uh, you know, one big love in my life. And, and yeah, I love, and I love going to book signings. I love hearing from readers. I love meeting readers. It's, it is a very solitary type of profession. So when you have the opportunity to do things like this, um, it's just, it's fabulous. And I really do. I, I appreciate it. I appreciate you letting me come on and talk about my book and my writing process. And, and, and yeah, I, I look forward to being able to get out and do book signings and meet and meet readers and, and, have a good time well leon thank you so leanne thank you so much <laughs> and keep up the good work thank you so much i appreciate you letting me come on all right take care <laughs> again that was uh, leanne kale sparks the author of the wrong woman a novel it's a kendall uh, beck thriller and uh, several more to come we're going to take a short break we'll be back to wrap up today's edition of the tom sumner program
Hey, <laughs> this is the Unknown Comic, and guess what? You're listening to the Tom Sumner Show right now, and now, and now too, and even now. It's 2022, and this year the Tom Sumner Program begins its 14th year. It would not be here without support through the years from individuals and organizations like these. Seth David Radwell. East Village Magazine. Flint Institute of Music. Hello, I'm Maestro Ricky DeMeg. Flint Community Schools. MTA Flint. Flint Comics and Entertainment. Hamity Complete Food Center. The Flint River Watershed Coalition. W.H. Weiscarver. The Genesee County Road Commission. Loan Museum Auto Fair. Thomas Appliance. The Genesee Health Plan, Quiplet Technology, My Community College, it's Pure Michigan. Friends on Facebook have also helped by contributing to the show's online fundraisers two or three times a year. If you would like to help the Tom Sumner program continue to thrive by becoming a sponsor, send an email of interest to Tom at TomSumnerProgram.com. Add your name to the list of supporters, past, present, and future. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans, and soon, they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work, and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, the hugger, and see her on her birthday. You know, I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Rangers Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Start your weekend early with the Tom Sumner Program every Friday live at 11. We turn the spotlight on the world of arts and entertainment featuring artists from music, TV, and the movies. Catch everything from the rich local talent pool in and around Flint and Genesee County to up-and-coming stars of stage and screen, plus legends from New York and Hollywood. Hi, this is Greg Nagy. Hey, this is Hoppa. Hi, this is Joe Bye from the Blue Lions. Hi, this is Alexander Zonjic. Hi, this is Mark Farner. This is Maurice Davis. Hi, this is... This is Rochelle Ray. Hi there, folks. This is Sweet Willie T. Hey, this is Steve from the Nashville office. I'm Gwen Pennyman Hemphill. Start your weekend right. Go to 11 Fridays on the Tom Sumner Program. Ellen Sherman, Cleveland housewife and mother. Hi, I'm a nuclear physicist and commissioner of consumer affairs. In my spare time, I do needlepoint, read, sculpt, take writing lessons, and brush up on my knowledge of current events. Thursday's my day at the daycare center, and then there's my work with the deaf. But I still have time left over to do all my own baking and practice my backhand, even though I'm on call 24 hours a day as a legal aid. How does Ellen Sherman do it all? She's smart. She takes speed, the tiny blue diet pill you don't have to be overweight to need. And then I collect these paper bags. 
And I have them right here, all folded and everything. In case anyone needs a paper bag, I have them. Yes, one. Speed. Because I fold them neatly, you know. I don't fold them just any old way. I Why not ask your family doctor for a prescription today? And, and when that runs out, you can ask your neighbor's doctor. And your mother's doctor. And your college roommate's doctor. And your best friend from high school's doctor. And your babysitter's doctor. I get the uneasy feeling Rod Serling is behind one of those doors. Rod Serling. Rod Serling. What's this, the Twilight Zone? Where is everybody? I would have been headed for the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. If I go any lower, I'll be in the Twilight Zone. All right. Oh, but Jethro's right at home in the Twilight Zone. <laughs> I'm in the Twilight Zone. Now, having made this little jaunt into the Twilight Zone, I got a feeling something strange is about to happen. Hi, this is Ann Serling, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Another five-minute mystery. See if you can solve the case before the end of the program. Well, Alice, one more block and you'll behold the Brooks household. Two whole years, Jim. It just doesn't seem possible it's been so long. You and Dorothy married and with a place of your own? Ah, it's true, all right. Only too bad you haven't taken advantage of the old Brooks hospitality sooner. Well, I'm here now, and I intend on having a perfectly wonderful time. Now, here we are. Oh, what a charming place this is. Dorothy's probably on needles and pins waiting for me to get you here. Darling, it's Jim. Here's Alice. (gasps) Jim, look! What? Where? There, on the living room floor. It's Dorothy, dead. Mr. Brooks, I'm afraid you and Miss Manning will have to submit to some routine questions. I'll be happy to help in any way I can, Inspector. Thank you, Miss Manning. Now, Mr. Brooks, while we're waiting for some information I phoned for, I want you to tell me exactly what happened this morning. Well, there's nothing much to tell. Both my wife and I were quite excited, expecting Alice, that is, Miss Miss Manning here, to visit us from Chicago. I was to wait until she called me at the office. And you were there all morning? Yes, until Miss Manning's train arrived and we came out here. I had written Mrs. Brooks to tell her that I would call Jim at the office as soon as I arrived. The train was an hour late. Maybe if I had been here earlier, it may have been prevented. Hmm, well, that remains to be seen. Apparently, Miss Brooks was sitting here in this chair putting red polish on her fingernails when she was shot from behind. The polish has spilled all over the carpet, and she was still holding the tiny brush in her hand. She must have recognized her attacker, and since she did not die instantly, she printed these three initials here on the floor with the polish. D-O-C. D-O-C? I wish we could tell whose initials she was trying to reveal. Yeah, sure? You don't know anyone whose name would fit that? Positive. I can't. Oh, oh... Yes, Miss Manning, can you think of somebody with those initials? Well, I, I, D-O-C spells Doc, and it's Mr. Brooks's nickname. Why, it can't be. Yes, Mr. Brooks. I haven't been called Doc in over two years. It was a nickname I picked up in school. My wife didn't like the name and never used it. No one in New York even knows me by Doc. I've, you've got to believe me, Inspector. It's the truth. Hmm. Well, that we'll see. Just a minute. Hello? Yes, Grady? Yes. I see. Well, it's sewed up anyway. Thanks. Well, you both will be happy to know our little murder is solved. Oh, then... then it wasn't Doc after all? No, Miss Manning, it wasn't Doc. I'm arresting you, Miss Manning, for the murder of Dorothy Brooks. 
Why did the inspector arrest Miss Manning for the murder of Mrs. Brooks? In a moment, we'll hear. And now, back to our story. How dare you arrest me? I was still on the train. Your train wasn't late, Miss Manning. That phone call just verified the fact. You came out here, murdered Miss Brooks, returned to the station, and called Mr. Brooks to pick you up. That wasn't what really gave you away, though, Miss Manning. Too bad you didn't know Mr. Brooks was no longer called Doc when you printed those letters on the carpet. The next time you leave a name as a clue to throw suspicion, you'd better get the name right. But of course, there won't be a next time, will there, Miss Manning? Join us again next time for another chance to solve a five-minute mystery.
Passion Radio For a new generation Tom Sumner Program.com Tom Sumner Program.com The Tom Sumner Program.com From the Tom Sumner it up for today's edition of the Tom Sumner program. I want to say thanks to all my guests today. What a fun show today, um, especially this uh, third hour with uh, Leanne Kale Sparks, the author of The Wrong Woman, a novel, in fact, a uh, Kendall Beck thriller. Um, the first in uh, what promises to be a series set in, uh, well, in the mountains of uh, Colorado, actually. And uh, before that, we talked about uh, seven inspirational women who changed their stories and changed their worlds, as included in um, a book by uh, Linda Olson that uh, is really kind of a compilation called Story Matters, Empowering Your Hope When Going Through tough times. And then we started out this morning with um, D. Marshall Craig, M.D., who uh, went from medicine to uh, writing thrillers, Dr. Kyle Chandler thrillers. In fact, he's just finished the first in what promises to be a series, the first book, Cut to the Chase. We talked about uh, during the first hour of our three-hour tour today on the show. I hope you enjoyed uh, the guests as much as I did. And uh, tomorrow, uh, of course, is Wednesday, which means it's armchair politics. And we'll have our roundtable regulars, uh, Flint's premier political pundit Paul Rosicki on the left and longtime Genesee County Republican Henry Hatter on the right. And they'll be joined by... uh, Gerald Everett Jones, um, who I believe lives in Santa Monica. In any event, uh, he was on the book or or on the show just recently talking about his recent book, but um, he uh, was a pundit on the um, Sky Network or Skynet. No, it isn't. It was the Salem Network. Anyway, he wanted to. sit in with our round table so he's joining the round table regulars tomorrow and i hope you will too in the meantime good night everybody the tom sumner program is a live variety show we want to acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show and our cavalcade of cohorts from coast to coast for their regular contributions most of the musical accompaniment was provided by people in or from the flint area 
many of the pre-recorded portions of the Tom Sumner program are made possible by Flint's own Steve McComb and Pencil Sketch Recording in Nashville, Tennessee. If you have comments, questions or suggestions about the show, find us on Facebook. This is Prue Clearwater. Join us next time for another edition of the Tom Sumner Program. And thanks for listening.